Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tech While You Trek. My name is Adam, and today we are going to be talking about 3D printing. I have three guests with me. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell us who you are? My name is Miguel Smart. I'm a partner with PwC in our industrial products practice focused on strategy and operations consulting for industry. My name is Amelia Bauer. I am a senior associate in the Emerging Technology Lab in Chicago. And I'm Kareem El-Wakil. I'm a director with PwC's Pharmaceutical and Life Sciences Advisory Practice. So today we are talking about 3D printing. And the very first thing I want to get out of the way, Miguel and Kareem, you guys both work in client services. Amelia, you work in the Emerging Technology Lab. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So we're a pretty small group. We sit under new services and emerging tech. So we're a group of innovators that work with the essential eight technologies to build proof of concepts and kind of show the art of the possible so that when our clients come to us and say, what do you know about 3D printing? You know, we're ready and we can tell them what we've done and what we've experimented with, what works and what doesn't. What was your history before then? What got you to where you are now with the firm? I actually started out my first three years in the Oracle practice. My background, though, is in computer science, so I was kind of missing that technology, you know, hands-on piece of it. I did a tour of duty in the Emerging Tech Lab, and I got specifically into 3D printing because I work on this prototype, which is an event registration system. We use it at all of our events. I needed to build a custom case for it because I couldn't find anything online that really fit what I needed. So that's how I got into finding a solution to build something that I needed custom-made. I mean, it was just cheaper to get a 3D printer and do it myself. Miguel, let's go to you next. Uh, you're in client services, correct, in aerospace? Yeah, industrial products with a, a heavy concentration in aerospace and defense. So I am an industrial and manufacturing engineer by trade. I went into the Navy. I was an H-60 helicopter pilot for nine years, did an MBA, and then joined the PwC family 11 years ago. So I focus on helping Industrial products, in particular aerospace and defense companies, think about their corporate strategy, think about their enterprise growth, and think about transformation and change. One of the topics that, when I was an industrial engineering undergrad, was not that relevant. It was very nascent. was 3D printing and additive manufacturing. It was all about subtractive manufacturing, so taking metal off of parts, not adding layers of metal on. And over the last about 12 months, we've been researching the market and really focused on the economics of additive manufacturing. So additive has not disrupted the way that people probably would have thought it, it did 15 or 20 years ago. Kareem can talk more about where it has disrupted. And we'll go over to Kareem then. I'm an engineer by trade, similar to Miguel. However, I focused almost exclusively on the medical products, the medical device industry. And I would say, I mean, I think as Miguel alluded to, the medical device industry is one that we think is going to be rapidly transformed by 3D printing technology. So that's one of the reasons why I tend to focus on 3D printing, its evolution, its impact, and how those technologies can be leveraged by our clients in order to help drive their business forward. So from a definition standpoint, what is the difference between 3D printing and just standard production? Yeah, it's a great question. When we talk about 3D printing and additive manufacturing, it's literally laying down layer upon layer of metal and then sintering it or binding it together with a laser or other technology. So you're building up the product rather than, than cutting and down. Tearing down from a... Exactly. And the real key is when you think about redesigning for additive manufacturing. So say I'm taking a part for an airplane, a wing spar or something like that, or a bracket. I'm now incented to print that bracket with the minimum amount of material that I can, right? As opposed to subtractive manufacturing where you kind of design the part and it's kind of hard to take metal off. So you only take off as much metal as is feasible. 
So you really get a massive weight savings in product performance improvement associated with additive. And the last thing I'll say on that is that, you know, take brackets, for example. Some of the leading suppliers have run the science around the stresses of brackets. And what they found looking at the stress loads is that the shapes tend to be very organic. If you go additively manufacture a bracket that's a traditional L-shaped, it suddenly looks like a tree root. And it's now an optimized design. Nature's pretty good at optimizing, and that's what the engineering community is starting to do with additive. When you're doing additive manufacturing, you can introduce new features, shapes, surfaces that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do in traditional manufacturing processes, even ones like injection molding, for example, where you're pouring liquid plastic or liquid metal into a mold. You still have restrictions on what you can do. It's very hard to do internal features, for example. How can you injection mold a sphere, a hollow sphere? You can't, right? So there's a lot of complexities in traditional manufacturing processes that 3D printing or additive, that layering process that Miguel mentioned, introduces and allows you to basically overcome those obstacles. Another great thing about 3D printing is the ability to do rapid prototyping and and create something really quick, make a tweak back on your 3D model and try it again. How would you separate the hype of 3D printing from the reality of 3D printing? I would say that there is a lot of hype, and it's been the next big disruptive manufacturing technology for 20 years, right? And we've looked at the economics. So in plastics and resins, there's actually been a fair amount of adoption because the economics works. In metals, it's mostly been prototyping because the economics don't work for larger-scale manufacturing. The reason the economics don't work is... The machines are still fairly expensive. You're talking about a million dollars for a metal additive machine. The materials are very expensive. You don't have access to all the materials you need to additively manufacture, especially in complex industries like aerospace. So put those three things together, and generally the economics don't work. We've heard about engine pistons that cost $150 to make for a race car, and trying to additively manufacture it costs $1,500, right? (laughs) So the economics are not there at low rate production. What we've found that's been very disrupted and is raising the eyebrows of our clients is that if you can get into very high-scale manufacturing for reasonably complex parts that cost a decent amount of money relative, the economics are there. So let me give an example. Additively manufacturing simple brackets for automobiles, although high-rate production because you put thousands of them on a car, the economics never work because those brackets cost 50 cents a piece. Additively manufacturing Somewhat complex brackets for airplanes that you may put a couple thousand on per airplane. The economics actually start to close today, very, very close. We actually think that getting people over the hump to learn how to additively manufacture requires looking at some simpler parts that they can produce in larger batches. I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a mindset shift that needs to happen in order to enable the transformative potential of 3D printing, and that's on the product development and the design side. Traditionally, when you're an engineer and you're designing a product, you're designing it for the manufacturing process that you think it's eventually going to be used, and that's restricted engineers in their thinking. They haven't necessarily opened up their eyes to say, well, wait a second, why do I need five components to snap them together or or assemble them at some later process? Why don't I just make a single one, right, that has an optimized design to it? They're not thinking that way. To your question about the hype, I would say, at least in the industrial products folks that we're talking to, we're starting to see a lot more momentum. They're very interested in the dialogue. They've bought machines and they're starting to produce parts, mostly still for prototype, but for tooling and for some other applications. So we're starting to see the momentum and we think in the next few years that it's going to just continue to increase. 
So before we move on, could you guys talk to me a little bit about the difference between 3D printing and 3D manufacturing? And is 3D manufacturing the same as additive manufacturing? So I think there is no difference, to be honest. There's about three terms out there, and you just named the three, right? 3D printing, 3D manufacturing, and additive manufacturing. I think it's just that companies use these terminologies pretty synonymously. So what can you guys tell me about this phrase I kept coming across, maintaining the digital thread? So I would say the digital thread is highly tied and linked to Industry 4.0, which is all about the digital manufacturing, right? Smart factories, right? And so there are several emerging technologies that are being incorporated into the manufacturing environment that are all digital. We're going to a world where everything is digital, right? The design is digital and it ports into the manufacturing environment 100% digital. There's no manual entry of code anymore to create it, right? It's all automated. So we talk about artificial intelligence, automation, 3D manufacturing, and a handful of other technologies. That's all part of maintaining that digital thread and part of that industry 4.0. What is the most interesting thing that you have ever done involved in 3D printing? I'm going to start with Amelia. So I printed a fully functioning prosthetic hand. I downloaded a model of it off of Thingiverse, which is basically this open source website. You can download any 3D model that you're looking for. And we just ordered a 3D printer that prints pancakes and chocolate. So I'm really forward. Prints food, yeah. That is equal parts exciting and the most terrifying thing I have ever heard anyone say. It's mostly used for like chocolates or desserts. So that's another actually industry that we hadn't talked about yet, which is the culinary industry. And a lot of people are using that to print out their custom logo on chocolates and put that on the plates and things like that. Kareem, same question. I got to say the most interesting thing going on in the healthcare space right now is kind of the new frontier is around biomaterials and the thought of using, for example, an individual's own cells to 3D print an organ, a replacement organ, for example. That's where the industry is really heading. So the expectation is probably within 10 years, you know, you'd be able to get a replacement organ and maybe... Made of your own genetic material. Made of your own genetic material, maybe 15, 20 years away. Miguel, top that. The one cool thing we had an opportunity to do is go into probably one of the largest 3D printing manufacturing centers, at least here in the U.S., probably in the world, and see the machines in action doing a whole range of different things and talk to the engineers about how they were redesigning in a completely different way. The other thing that we've done, and I think it's kind of nerdy, but it's very relevant to what PwC is doing in the market, is build this economic model that looks at the economics of 3D printing from a totally different view. We're looking at the cost of traditionally manufacturing a part versus additively manufacturing that same part in two different ways, really going deep into the economics. And we've brought these to our clients and they're saying, wow, we've never seen anything this robust. Where are we as a firm in terms of the usage of 3D printing? What we do in the lab is we create these proofs of concept, being able to tell our clients what's possible, what we've done in that space. So my role in the 3D printing part of that is to research all of the different types of 3D printers, whether it's with alloys or plastics or food or whatever it is. I'm just researching all those different types, all the different models out there, different price ranges and things like that, use cases. And then our clients can get this playbook from us and see what we've done in the work in that space. So now in more of the client interface, uh, Kareem Miguel, which one of you would care to answer first about where we are as a firm? I think where we are is we're helping our clients understand the technology, its potential, and how it could apply to them. And that's where I think the economic model comes into play. It's helping them understand when will the economics close, can they close, and how can we help you get there? The only thing I would add is that in many cases we're partnering with certain additive manufacturers or printer manufacturers to help them 
get to market with our clients, right? So going together and bringing the economics, bringing the technology all together to help industry adopt faster. So would you say the 3D printing, the additive manufacturing has relevance to all the different lines of service at PwC, tax, audit, and advisory, or maybe only certain aspects? I think it's obviously highly relevant to our advisory business, both the emerging tech lab, but also, you know, every one of our clients, right, for the most part, maybe less so for financial services, but definitely for healthcare, energy, power and utilities, industrial products, aerospace and defense, all highly relevant when it comes to cross-loss, I think there's a couple considerations. One, there is a huge tax implication associated with how you manufacture and where you manufacture. An additive could end up just completely disrupting that. So say, for example, one of the Middle Eastern countries decides to stand up a massive additive manufacturing center of excellence, which is being considered. That could then draw people to go outsource some manufacturing to the Middle East, which has significant tax implications for how they run their business. I would love it if you would share with me a time when you failed in trying to apply 3D printing and then how you were able to use that failure and turn around and make it into something gold. One time I tried printing a model of the Sears Tower, now called the Willis Tower. I'm from Chicago, so I have to call it the Sears Tower. So I came home to a smoking ball of plastic. It was a disaster. My whole 3D printer was smoking. It was a nightmare. What had happened? You have to calibrate your printer so that the the bed, which is the level that the print sits on, needs to be perfectly level. And my printer has to do that manually. And a lot of times it's, you know, hit or miss. You don't really know until you get the print started. So I left the print, went to work, and wasn't there watching it. So a lot of it is very almost elementary level trial and error. Yeah, but I think that speaks to, you know, anyone can get into it. Well, from my side, I think in the healthcare business that I came from, it's very much a regulated industry. So uh, stakes seem pretty high. The stakes are really <laughs> high. And in, in, in a way, the regulations prevent you from failing too hard. So what I'd say is no major significant failure that I could think of, but maybe more just the process of going through and optimizing the technology for our use case, that took quite a bit of time in the orthopedics industry, just figuring out how to use 3D printing in the right way with the right economics in order to get the right performance. It just takes time. And I think being patient and understanding what you have to do to get there was crucial. Do you have stories about the acceptance of the technology? the orthopedics company I came from. So they're actually aggressively marketing 3D printing in their spinal orthopedic implants. There's a reason for that because they actually believe and they have clinical data to support that a 3D printed product, because of the porosity and the mechanics of the product, produces better fusion in the spine. So actually they use the 3D printing as an advantage to be able to sell the product and win over consumers as well as surgeons. Miguel, I know you got a story. We've observed a tremendous amount of failure with the clients that we've been talking to, right? They're really struggling with getting these parts to the right level. From a PwC aspect, I would say, while we're getting a lot of momentum to have these conversations and get in with clients, it's been a long journey. It's a lot of discussions, right? We've been doing a lot of business development, for lack of a better term, right? Helping our clients to see the way we're looking at the market and change the way that they've been looking at it and how additive manufacturing can benefit their business. So I wouldn't say it's an abject failure, but it certainly requires resilience and persistence. So we have come to the point in the podcast where we are going to do the rapid fire questions. Are you all prepared? Absolutely. All right. First question. I'm going to start right over here with Miguel. 
What is your one bold prediction for 3D printing and 3D manufacturing in the year 2040? I think that 3D manufacturing in 2040 will have fundamentally disrupted the way we design parts and the way we manufacture parts. I think 3D printing organs is definitely going to be changing healthcare space. I think, to me, it's democratizing manufacturing. I think you'll see a lot more local manufacturing. You'll see, to some extent, shrinkage or even disappearance of factories in favor of local 3D printing outfits. Are we heading to a time when basically anything that could be manufactured will be able to be 3D printed? The economics need to make sense, but at some point you may get to the point where literally you got a digital recipe of a file and you can take that file and produce it on a 3D printer. I almost would see a 3D printer like an appliance in your home. You know, if you think about like a television or at some point a light bulb was not an appliance or it was not a fixture until it was for everyone, I kind of see 3D printing heading in that direction. I think that happens earlier than 2040. I think that's in the next two to three years. So what are your favorite sources for new information on 3D printing and 3D manufacturing? The Wohlers Report is a very well-known report. It's an organization that's been researching and following 3D printing for about 25 years, and that's kind of the go-to for all things 3D printing. Look to the manufacturers, meaning the folks that are actually making 3D printers, right? Who's making and selling those 3D printers? They actually do quite a good job of kind of explaining the case studies, what's going on in the industry. Are there standard models that you can buy, or are all 3D printers like bespoke right now at this point in the industry? In terms of plastics, there's hundreds of different models you can choose from, different methods, too, of 3D printing. And one thing I'd like to point out, too, is that these models start as low as $300 and go up, of course, to the tens of thousands, but they do start that low, so you can really get your hands dirty. Rapid fire number three, what makes someone, in your opinion, a lifelong learner? I think the first step or one of the first steps is listening to podcasts like this. So bravo to everyone listening on this. I think just reading, really plugging yourself in to the sources that we kind of talked about and really spending the time, investing the time to read and understand what's going on around you. So my last rapid fire question, what is your favorite book about technology? So perhaps it's not exactly technology, but my favorite scientific book is The Elegant Universe by Brian Greene. It's about quantum physics and the way the universe works. I would say any of the books by Don Norman on design thinking. In order to 3D print something, you have to have the 3D model, which involves a lot of design. Well, listen, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. How do folks at the firm who want to find out more about 3D printing and 3D manufacturing find out more? So I'm open to having conversations with anybody who's interested, whether they're somebody who's using 3D manufacturing today or looking at using it in the future and talking about what we're doing. I'm open through LinkedIn. One source I'd highly recommend is PwC's Next in Tech blog. So they've done several posts around 3D printing as well as the other seven essential technologies. So definitely look that up and spend some time perusing that. For anyone that wants to see 3D printing in action can come to my desk in Chicago. But for those of you that can't make it out there, if you look up the new services and emerging tech site on pwc.com, you can see more information about the emerging technologies and what we're working on in that space. Amelia, Miguel, Kareem, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Adam. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Guys, this has been Tech While You Trek, and we will talk to you again soon.
This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.